Thank you for joining the Georgia Chamber podcast. For 105 years, we have been the leading voice of business in the state of Georgia. Through these podcasts, we want to help you better understand the issues facing our state and how your business can grow and prosper. Thanks for joining us. To learn more, go to www.gachamber.com. Good afternoon. I'm Chris Clark, President and CEO of the Georgia Chamber of Commerce. I want to welcome you to our Thursday Recovery and Resiliency Town Hall meeting. Uh, we're having these every week, and I hope that you'll continue to join us. Uh, a couple of updates before we, we get started. We've got a great conversation today with you on consumer confidence. Um, I did this yesterday on our Resiliency Roundtable, but I do want to read part of a statement that the Georgia Chamber issued yesterday with the Atlanta Black Chambers and the Georgia Greater Black Chamber of Commerce. Uh, our organizations will be part of a dialogue that does not fear honest and sincere discussion about race and equality, one that builds an authentic, solid foundation for future generations. We will build a better Georgia that excludes rather than, that includes rather than excludes, and that continues to anchor Georgia as a premier talent destination, open and accepting for all. Nothing less than genuine equality can be considered success because we must be a state that celebrates diversity while working tirelessly to mitigate disparity. Uh, you can read the entire statement at gachamber.com slash BLM statement. Uh, and uh, if you care about these issues and you want to work with us, I encourage you to reach out uh, and join us uh, part of our diversity and inclusion council, which we'll meet tomorrow to discuss these issues and how the business community plays a role in healing this country and moving toward uh, equality. So I hope that you'll uh, be with us and join us on that. Uh, I also want to thank our good friend Santiago Marquez at the Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce who joins us today as a co-sponsor and all, as always our friends at Georgia News Network and Georgia Public Broadcast. Um, just as a couple of other announcements for you, um, on June 10th we'll be holding our next Resiliency Roundtable and this one will be fun. It'll be with the craft brewers of Georgia to learn what they did uh, during uh, the pandemic and how they're recovering. Also today, uh, the Georgia Chamber on our website, gachamber.com slash COVID-19, we'll be releasing the latest updates from uh, what happened last night in the U.S. Senate, uh, streamlining PPP and hopefully improving uh, recovery uh, efforts for you and those companies that have received those funds. Uh, also, I'll remind you that if you want to be part of our Resiliency Task Force, we'll start those meetings next week. Uh, and you just need to reach out to COVID-19 at georgiachamber.com and we'll get you registered there. The discussion today that we're gonna have is, is on an issue that I hear more and more about from our members, uh, and that's how do you restore consumer confidence? How do you make the public feel safe, fly again, going to baseball games again, going to hotels, going back into your retail business? Um, and there's a lot of research on there, and we turn to our good friends at Morning Consult uh, to give us a global perspective and talk about what's happening in the South. I do want to tease you a little bit and tell you that the Georgia Chamber is working with a great Georgia Chamber member on a new platform that will help your employees and customers uh, gain consumer confidence coming back into your facilities. We'll tell you more about it next week, uh, but, if, that's, uh, but the, if the training component of making sure your employees are ready, making sure that the public knows that you're prepared for them, if those issues matter to you, reach out uh, and we'll get you on that list and we'll talk to you more about it next week. Uh, so with no further ado, I want to introduce our, our two speakers today. Um, Kyle Drop is coming to us uh, from North Carolina, or North Carolina, from New York. 
Uh, he is uh, the chief research officer and co-founder of Morning Consult, and John Lear is an economist for Morning Consult. Uh, these guys lead literally one of the foremost research and consumer confidence survey company in the world. We've used them for years and years and work with them and uh, from everything from politics uh, to how we position George to be a place that's welcoming uh, to talent from around the world. They're our go-to organization. Uh, the likes of Nike and IBM and Coca-Cola and so many other great companies use them and trust their insight and their data every single day. So you've got a real special treat today and get out your pen and paper because they're gonna give you a lot of good information. So with that, Kyle, John, I'll turn it over to you and look forward to hearing from you today. Thanks for being with us. Chris, and, and thank you for having us. And John and I are, are grateful to have an opportunity to share some of the insights that we're working to produce. As you uh, may know, but some others might not, we're a global data intelligence firm and we're we're interviewing tens of thousands of people uh, every day on different economic and brand and, and political and policy topics. And we're you know, eager and, and looking forward to share some of those uh, with you today. Um, I'm gonna give a, a, a quite brief introduction uh, here. I'm gonna share a few pieces of info on uh, COVID-19 and coronavirus and how consumers are reacting to uh, it from a, you know, how they're spending their time, their money and levels of concern. And then uh, John, who's our uh, chief economist, is going to show uh, some really incredible um, info on consumer confidence and the economic trends that uh, we're seeing. If you go uh, one ahead, John, um, uh, yeah, so I think the core problem that, that we're trying to solve as an organization is we're trying to share data in real time with executives so they can make smarter decisions. So we're doing our best to help collect, organize, and, and share information. I mentioned, if you go one slide uh, forward, that uh, if you go one slide forward um, ahead, uh, we have access to tens of millions of, of adults globally. So we're often able to collect info often before uh, anybody else has it. Uh, we focus a lot on visualization as you'll uh, see in the, the slide and everything we do is focused on getting the right answer and to be a trusted source. So we have had the opportunity to work with all sorts of media partners, whether it's the New York Times or uh, Bloomberg or The Hollywood Reporter um, or Ad Age. I think without uh, further ado, I'm going to talk a bit about, if you go one slide forward, John, um, some of the work that we're doing on uh, coronavirus and COVID-19 now. Uh, I would highlight that much of this is freely available um, at our site, morningconsult.com. And in particular, we have, we have roughly 200 public studies that is, to the best of my knowledge, the most comprehensive of counting of how adults, whether it's Americans or people in Georgia or people around the world are, are being affected by the, the current you know, outbreak. And uh, this slide, uh, for example, looks at the level of concern uh, among adults, the percent who say they're, they're very concerned about the coronavirus outbreak. And we've broken it down uh, by generation. Um, you know, we've been tracking this since the turn of the year, uh, early January. And so uh, you can see in the slide that uh, overall uh, concern, this black line, peaked in uh, late March, around March 30th, and it's sort of been uh, trending down a little bit. I would also highlight that younger adults, this kind of green line, uh, were, were often less concerned, but now they have uh, similar levels of, of concern as uh, adults across different generation groups, whether it's Gen Z or millennials or, or boomers. If you go one forward, every week we've stood up an index where we're asking uh, consumers how comfortable they are with a range of actions and also when they expect to do so. We hope that this is 
uniquely valuable for, uh, frankly, any company across sector, whether it's folks in the food and beverage world or uh, airlines or uh, hotels or you name it. So uh, this slide, for example, we asked people when they expect a range of actions uh, to, to happen. Um, I would highlight that, you know, about half of people expect stores to open up in the next month. This is uh, nationally. And then, you know, public going outside more, about 46%. And then you yourself being comfortable. I would highlight this gap here that, you know, people observe stores and organizations opening. However, it's about, you know, making people feel comfortable in a safe way to do that. And it, it is something that comes up often in our data and that John will be able to highlight uh, in our extensive uh, consumer confidence tracking. On this next figure, and we're releasing this all publicly on our site, we've been asking uh, adults every single week um, whether they would be, be confident and comfortable doing a range of activities. Everything from on this slide in the purple going out to eat, which tends to be the, the activity that uh, adults feel most comfortable with. Um, you, you can see, for example, since uh, early April, uh, it's more than doubled in terms of the percent of people nationwide who say they'd uh, be comfortable. One notch below that would be going to a shopping mall. That's the uh, purple line there. And then we, we have everything from going to gym, uh, which would be in the, the red line there on the right-hand side, percent of people who feel uh, comfortable doing so within the next month, and a wide range of actions. So frankly, any action that you might be interested in understanding what uh, consumers are thinking, we're likely to have info on it. Again, I, I would highlight that these numbers are far from uh, 100% and that um, anything that the you know, business community can do to bolster confidence is, is going to be uh, welcome. We, have, we certainly have plenty of info uh, on that. If you go one slide forward, John, um, yeah, we, we asked people how appropriate it would be for a range of businesses to open up in their uh, community. Sort of top to bottom, you can see this is sort of linked with the level of comfort. So people want uh, retailers and, and, and hair, hair salons and, and restaurants to open. They think it's appropriate. And then kind of anything that involves large population density or cramped spaces, such as concert uh, venues or sports venues, kind of one notch below that. Uh, the, the final figure that I'll show before handing off the baton to John is, um, you know, we have, we've done a lot of work on, you know, how helpful a range of activities might be in, in terms of, uh, you know, responding to the, the virus. Um, you know, six and 10 say it'd be very helpful for, for companies and corporate executives, you know, to rehire employees, donations to food banks. You know, I think this speaks to a broader theme in our work. What we're trying to do is get real info and real time info in front of executives so they can think about how to react in a way that, you know, is in line with their values, but also uh, in line with what folks think. I know we have done a lot of work on the protest just over the past few days on what people think companies should do. And I think with that, I'll uh, hand it over to, to John. Great, thank you, Kyle. Um, so I will be fairly brief here. My, the focus of my presentation is on the US consumer. I say US consumer outlook because it's not a forecast per se. The um, investor Howard Marks has a great line that no one can forecast, but we can and should do a better job of understanding the current situation. And so that's what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to describe um, what we see in our near real-time data. Um, so the focus of this presentation is on consumer confidence. 
What we do every day is we uh, ask 6,000 Americans five questions related to their views of their personal financial conditions and business conditions in the country as a whole. And we track those answers over time uh, on a daily basis. And so what you can see for the country is that uh, the country's experienced a really traumatic event in, in March, uh, the pandemic uh, hurt consumers, it hurt their, their personal finances, uh, they lost jobs, they lost confidence in, in business conditions in the country as a whole. They have gradually rebounded uh, beginning in mid-April. One of the cool things about our data is not only can we uh, look at this sort of aggregate picture, but we can also dive in and look at some of the underlying uh, uh, geographic and demographic breakouts, which, you know, as we know, this country, it's a big country, but these special uh, demographics and geographic uh, regions experience events differently. So what we've done here is we've gone ahead and looked at um, state level consumer confidence beginning uh, January 1, updated here every 15 days. And there are a couple things that stand out. The first is that uh, consumer confidence has fallen dramatically across the board in every state, period. The second thing, though, to note is that um, the timing and the, and the severity of that fall varied by state to state. So consumer confidence tends to be a really good indicator of uh, consumer spending and the level of uh, uh, confidence that consumers have in the, in the economy. And so this roughly tracks, you know, how they're planning on making longer term big purchases. Now, since we're focused here on Georgia and the Georgia Chamber, I wanted to just highlight um, what we're seeing in some of the southern districts. So I've broken out the, the data by three uh, census divisions that focus on these southern states. In the left uh, panel, that includes Georgia and the South Atlantic, and then we have the East, South Central, and West, South Central. A couple things uh, jump out. The first, of course, is that Georgia Georgians in general tend to be more confident than um, their peers in other in other states in the South. The second point is that consumer confidence in Georgia did not fall as sharply as it has in um, as it did, sorry, in some of the other states in the South Atlantic. But what's really interesting is that since April fifteenth, consumers in Georgia have not experienced the same rebound in confidence that you've seen in other states most notably Florida uh, in the South. There's been a really dramatic, I think, 5% increase in consumer confidence in Florida over that period of time. So what we're seeing here is that, you know, there was a dramatic shock to the economy. Everyone during that period of time reacted um, roughly the same, but now as the recovery starts, the pace and speed of that recovery really differs from state to state. I will, I'm going to highlight a few demographics that I think are probably also relevant for this group and then um, and then I'll conclude with a couple forward-looking remarks. So so we also track, we track a wide range of demographics. One of them is age. This is interesting for a couple reasons. First of all, as you might expect, um, younger consumers did not grow as uh, pessimistic about the economy as some of the older consumers. That's likely due to a combination of factors, both the fact that they have, they're less vulnerable um, to the outbreak and also that they have a longer time horizon to make up any of the losses um, in wealth or income as opposed to older Americans who are nearing retirement um, and they really, they really don't have that time to make up whatever they've, whatever they've lost in income or, or wealth. Um, 
it's also worth noting that there seems to be some sort of a, a level effect in that 45 year olds and above have reacted very similarly, similarly to the shock, uh, whereas these younger groups have all responded differently. Um, <clears throat> we have a few minutes left. So we have, I have an income breakout and a wealth. I'm going to jump through here to homeowners, renters, and rural urban, um, <clears throat> suburban. Again, this is a, a finding, you know, this is a, the nice thing about having daily data um, that we can sort of just measure what's going on in the economy as opposed to relying on some theory. And so what we see is that suburban households really grew much less confident than their urban and rural counterparts. That again is somewhat surprising considering how pop you would think population density limits um, limits economic activity in those urban areas more so than the suburban areas. Um, and then finally, if you start thinking about the future, you know, consumer confidence is an indicator of how consumers are feeling about um, making those large purchases. And much of that comes from their, their ability to, to make those purchases, to have the income, the discretionary spending, um, to pull the trigger on making large purchases. So what we're seeing in some of our sort of spec work related to jobs is that there are, for a lot of Americans, who are particularly those who are on unemployment insurance, they are not um, receiving the, the, uh, the, the income they're receiving from unemployment insurance is not covering what they, what they used to make prior to the, the beginning of this recession. Um, that means a couple of things. That's a, it means that, that they're not gonna be able to have that money to go out and make those, those purchases. Um, and then there's also some concerns around job instability for folks who still are employed over the next four weeks, there's 31% of American uh, workers who are currently employed uh, fear that they're going to lose their job or have their pay negatively affected over the next four weeks. So that uh, informs my outlook and leads me to believe, you know, based on what we see now in the economy that we're really headed for sort of a very long gradual um, road back. Um, here we have a little spec pulling on some, some of the um, payment protection program, which I can dive into later. I'll wrap things up by saying, as we saw in that graph, consumers in March were really, um, really suffered dramatically in terms of a loss of confidence. But we do see some interesting uh, heterogeneity across age and, um, and regions. Uh, the jobs market, as we'll learn tomorrow more definitively, but the job situation has really been a drag on overall consumer spending. And going forward, the, the, the question of what what this recovery ultimately looks like for most consumers will depend on how Congress um, decides to address the issue of stimulus spending um, and then also sort of how long people remain out of the workforce and, and what their attachment to their prior employer looks like. With that, I'll turn it back to uh, Chris and Santiago. Go ahead, Santiago. I know you've got a Okay. A question about this, or you want to switch switch the topics a little bit, or we can go back and forth. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you guys. Phenomenal work, and uh, this is this is really very valuable information. And I again, I want to thank the Georgia Chamber for the work they're doing. We've been modeling a lot of what we've been we've been doing after the Georgia Chamber. So thank you for your leadership on that. Um, my question is, you know, given what's been happening over the last five days. Um, you know, with the racial tensions that we have seen and the protest and, uh, you know, some of the riots, 
do you have information on that? You know, have you guys been able to gather information? And can you tell us something about the information that you've gathered, the sentiment, uh, the information that you've been able, what, what is the analysis based on that info? Certainly. Um, over, over the weekend on, on Sunday, we ran a, a large national uh, study. And we found it quite comprehensive on the nationwide protests in, in dozens of cities. And in, in fact, we have multiple studies in the field right now as given the you know quick changing nature of the events. I would highlight a few things. One, uh, everyone's seeing it over eight and 10, seen a lot or uh, heard a lot um, about it. Uh, by a two to one margin, people see the protests as getting bigger uh, over time rather than kind of the size of the protests as uh, having already uh, peaked. Um, we asked what companies can do and what people might think of dozens of company actions. I would highlight that people view it as appropriate for a CEO to take actions here of all the actors in a company. They're, they say it's most appropriate for a, a CEO to act. Um, across dozens of actions, uh, adults were highly supportive of companies uh, starting racial sensitivity programs, making small or other tailored donations to small businesses uh, or local communities. Um, and uh, you know, and there, there's much more there. And I would, I would highlight that we um, on our site have uh, released all of this info also broken down by uh, race and by uh, age, for example, um, often support for the protesters and police uh, it will be different by uh, racial lines. Um, so th those are a few things that we're doing. And we, we would keenly uh, encourage anybody who uh, perhaps wants to better understand what people are thinking that, that we're, we're, we're always in the field trying to get real time info. So happy to add questions. Thank you. Thanks, Kyle. And we definitely might want to circle back once some more of that data comes in to come back and share with our, our members because this is an issue we're going to continue to, to work on. But let's go back to the, the recovery for a minute. I'm curious, you guys have done a lot of great research that we've used on generational thoughts and feelings, uh, particularly on Gen Z and where they are. I'm curious, as you look at consumer confidence, John, what is the breakdown so far by generational shift? I mean, are the Zoomers ready to come back before the millennials? Are they a little more tentative? Are the boomers back? Yeah. What do we see? Yeah, so um, in general, we see is that older consumers, so anyone over 45, um, that's going to be uh, the boomers, people as they're nearing retirement age, um, they lost confidence more, they lost more confidence more dramatically than younger Americans. And that's, um, I guess up front, it's not really clear why that would be, but looking at the data now, you know, it's the benefit again of, of measuring things as opposed to using some, some theory is that you can see that um, these younger Americans weathered the storm uh, better than some of their older counterparts. Again, that's likely because, um, you know, they're not as, the health risks are not quite the same for younger Americans as they are for older Americans. Um, and then also they have a longer time horizon, right, to make up, um, you know, if they're unemployed or laid off, uh, they have more time between now and, and retirement to make up that, that difference. You said, uh, did you say 45? Did I hear you right? Yeah, yeah. So that was somewhat surprising is that, um, <clears throat> that um, you would think maybe that, that people 65 and above and 55 to 65 react very differently. But what we're seeing is that anyone over 45 responded essentially identically um, 
So there seems to be some sort of a calculation by Americans at, at around that age that they share similar uh, risk profiles and then sort of life uh, retirement expectations. And I would highlight too that um, before, I would say in early February in John's data, there, there really aren't huge differences across age in terms of consumer confidence, a couple points perhaps, but now, um, you know, 15 to 20 points from the youngest to the oldest generation. So really about as, you know, wide of a gap as, you know, you see even larger than the gap now, you know, or ever between say homeowners and renters. I don't know that we saw uh, anything, and if I missed this, forgive me, uh, you guys gave so much detail, which was great. Um, what about on the recovery in terms of uh, different demographics, in terms of uh, ethnicity or race, you know, representing the Hispanic community in particular? Um, have you been able to get a feel or beat on what's the sense of the recovery, you know, for the, let's say, the Hispanic community? I'd say a couple things. First of all, um, this is a great um, um, sort of promotion for, for a report I'll be coming out with next week that focuses on how consumer confidence across uh, race and ethnicity uh, has responded to COVID and the sort of ongoing racial tensions in America right now. The, um, in general, what we see is that, you know, unfortunately race tends to be highly correlated with income. And so um, <clears throat> many of the uh, differences across uh, let's say between uh, white, African-American and Hispanic consumers closely mirror those differences across income breakouts with, with wealthier uh, and, and white consumers exhibiting a higher level of confidence than their African-American and Hispanic counterparts. Thank you. Hey, um, you know, one of the things that we continue to struggle with is is how you make that, that person feel comfortable when they come back in to your restaurant or to your store. Have you done any research that says, if I see someone in a face mask, I feel safer, or if I see someone in gloves, or if I see some sign up that these people have had training? Any insight there for, particularly for our small businesses who are trying to, to figure this out without all of the support that they would, you know, a large company might be able to, to access? Yeah, we've um, we've done extensive research on that, uh, and you know, to be explicit, we've we've tried to understand, you know, what are the concrete actions companies that are, let's say, in the hotel industry or live events world or airlines industry or retailers can do to um, build confidence. I would highlight we we have some public reports out on um, what, whether people would be more or less comfortable with some actions. I would say hand, hand sanitizer dispensers widespread is is usually quite quite high. Um, inf infrared thermometer screenings does tend to build comfort. We asked that in the context of going back to, to stadiums. Be, you know, the idea of um, more space uh, tends to appeal to a lot of folks. So whether that's filling stadiums partially or additional seats or work in between. With respect to movie theaters, the, you know, sort of the, the actions that would lead people to be most most likely to do it would be, you know, again, sanitized high touch areas, sanitized seats, sanitizing seats in between movies, staggering seats and, and capping it, you know, attendance, um, contact free payment methods are also up there. So, you know, our, our hope is that for, for any industry that is affected here, that we can tailor specific actions or better understand the actions that will you know, help these businesses get back to uh, to normal or a new, new normal at least. 
And I, I would add quickly, you know, that from a sort of a macro perspective, what's really interesting, and I'm sure that members of the Georgia Chamber can appreciate this, but on the one hand, right, you're trying to adopt these measures to bring consumers in. A lot of them deal with cutting down capacity or some other additional cost. And so there is this sort of new, um, you know, new profit maximization function that firms face in terms of understanding how to both bring in consumers while also understanding the, the downside uh, risk to, to, uh, to their profit. Santiago, time for one last question, if you've got one. I do have one. Um, thank you. And so remembering what you went through here in, in terms of the data, and, and I believe what one of the things that you said is that I think it was 31% of the people believe that their jobs could be in jeopardy over the next four weeks. Um, do you think, do you have any uh, sense if that's tied to the fact that a lot of those companies have gotten PPP and they think that maybe PPP is running out um, or, or why is it just because the, the way the economy and the unemployment numbers are heading or is there any sense of why that number is what it is? So regarding PPP, what, um, we found in a separate finding there is that we ask a lot of folks who have already been, uh, who've been put, placed on temporary leave, whether or not they're um, receiving any income or pay during that period of time. And a shocking number, 70% uh, said no, they are not. So that's um, sort of a red flag in terms of <laughs> understanding the efficacy of um, PPP. Um, for the job instability, I think a lot of it comes back to the, the issue that um, I raised earlier, which is that, you know, I believe workers are essentially smart. They understand what's going on, what the operating environment is, particularly for folks who are working an hourly service job. You know, their, um, their productivity outlook is likely diminished in the near term. For a given worker now, the, the costs are going to be higher um, as businesses deal with, you know, cutting capacity and, and, and other sort of um, measures required to make consumers feel comfortable. Well, guys, thank you all. This has all been great information. So Kyle, tell our uh, viewers and those that might be following us later, where can they go to get the, the latest updated information and research that you guys put out? Thank you again. You can go uh, to morningconsult.com uh, for most of this information free. And then I would also add, I would also note that we have roughly 10 morning uh, email newsletters that are completely free and probably the most informative info I get each day. And I thank you for those, Kyle, because I get them every day too, and I appreciate it. And, and your, your website is one of those that I have on my bookmark, bookmark uh, at the top of the page to go to every day to see your latest information. And I encourage our viewers and those with the Georgia Chamber to do the same. I want to thank John and Kyle for being with us and Santiago and the Georgia Hispanic Chamber as always for your incredible partnership. Hopefully, hope for you to join us next week uh, for our Resiliency Roundtable, uh, where we'll feature Deloitte, our good friend and partner, as well as our craft brewers. And don't forget to go to gachamber.com slash COVID-19 for the latest updates. Thank you all and continue to create jobs for Georgia and God bless. Thank you all. Thank you guys. Nice job. Thanks John. Thanks Kyle. Thanks John. Thanks Kyle. Thanks John. Thanks Kyle. Thanks John. Thanks Kyle.